0: Welcome to the Lon Johnson Discipleship Podcast.
1: Glad to be with you again. We're talking about some very important things happening in our world today and hopefully connecting the dots between uh, the news that you read and see every day and the Word of God and the hope that we have in Christ. And last time we were together, we we kicked off talking about the importance of the family and the nuclear family being a place of, of resistance uh, against uh, just bad ideas, resistance against the pressures of the world, and uh, and a place, uh, as God intended it to be, a haven, a safe place, a place where we can nurture the next generation and receive love and encouragement. And, and as you mentioned last week, which was so good, a place where you can sit around and go, hey, I'm not crazy. Uh, there's people who share my values and who believe the way I do. And uh, just maybe by way of a little bit of a recap, we really hit on some incredible incredible principles last week. I Maybe mean, we can kick off on this. And then I really want to get in today with Pastor Andrew to talk about uh, a second major area of resistance, especially to big government and totalitarianism, and that is the role of uh, the church and Jesus Christ in general. Um, but let's go back to where we where we were last week, um, talking about how do, you, how do you, basically, I guess we could say, how do you raise good kids in a culture that's becoming increasingly godless in a state that's becoming more and more you know, encroaching into the business of the family and the business of the church. Um, couple of things, he said, model moral courage. You know, the way we live as parents is huge. Mm-hmm. It's not just what we talk, but it's what we live, it's what we stand for, which is why I've been encouraging um, parents uh, at the workplace, stand up for truth. and Don't be afraid to speak biblical principles, no, no matter what the cost. That's going to communicate to our kids that the gospel is real and that truth matters more than any Sunday morning sermon or Sunday school lesson. Right. Standing for the truth. Action. Yeah. Talk a little bit. We talk about uh, filling their minds with uh, a moral imagination for between good and evil, and especially yeah. works like Tolkien and stuff like that. Uh, it's a powerful principle. What? What? what, is it, what how do you? What is moral imagination? Why is it important? Yeah, he calls it moral
0: imagination. I mean, this is the purpose for fairy tales. This purpose of these stories that we tell yeah. kids is that there's a good and there's an evil. And there's evil in the world. And the good needs to overcome evil. Yeah. It creates the meta-narrative that children realize that this is how we ought to live through these stories. You now, Jesus taught Jesus taught through parables, right? Because yeah. the stories that we remember. Yeah. So when you come to a difficult situation... Uh, when when you need courage to overcome a bully you're thinking okay in this story What happened to this, you know prince or this hero or whatever yeah. it gives you yeah. the framework to say how do you all to act? Right, so so that's why these stories
1: are so important.
0: I mean, some of these stories are thousands hundreds of thousands of years old But yeah. they're still told today because they achieve a very powerful purpose and, and
1: you bring up such a good point You know the best stories uh, Like like take tokens uh, Lord of the Rings, you know it ends happily ever after. You know, they they go back to the shire, and uh, and the 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 evil has been defeated, and truth and justice and goodness wins. And that's the difference again between say a, a Christian worldview and somebody who's living in a, um, a communist country. There is no meta narrative. I mean, for the communism, I mean, for communists, it's the global takeover. It's a communist world. Uh, and whatever that, you know, looks like the problem is what that dream is and what reality is are so far apart It leaves people empty and searching for bigger answers. There's no meta narrative There is no story with it. that is happily ever after it's like a nightmare mm-hmm. And so what these families were finding is that when you tell your kids hey Communism is going to fall because it's built on a lie. We may or may not see it But we believe it and know that it's going to happen it gives their kids a moral imagination that no matter how bad it is now, it's not always going to be this way, yeah. and um, and that's vital to to enduring especially difficult times of persecution is knowing that it's not always going yeah. to be this. And way. And this
0: is a good point because I was listening to an interview between Charlie Kirk and Gordon Chang, who's I guess a scholar in, uh, of Chinese history, culture, politics, and whatnot, yeah. and and they were talking about some of you guys have probably seeing all the protests in China. Okay? Yeah. And 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 there was there was that discussion about about how much like the, what Gordon Chang says the biggest enemy uh, for the CCP is his own people. It's not another nation. It's not United States. Now United States is a big threat among other you know nations or whatever. But yep. the biggest threat to a totalitarian regime is his own people. Which was very interesting when I heard that. I was like, huh? Can you imagine like? You're the government, and you realize the biggest threat you have is your own people. Who are you supposed to, if I'm a biblical review, you're supposed to serve? You're,
1: you're representing your own people, right? Well, and, and just to backtrack again, so, of course, China's in the news big time. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, and again, this is a, a totalitarian, top-down, violent regime. I mean, we, we all remember the pictures of Tiananmen Square not too many decades ago with the individual standing in front of that Chinese tank. Um, and that person uh, was obviously removed and and killed, and the whole rebellion or whatever was squashed and that was just an attempt for freedom, just Chinese people wanting freedom and wanting liberty and, and tired of the of the regime um and so now interestingly enough, what they're reacting to most recently is the fact that during covid China was viewed by many liberal folks in the West as the model country. I mean, Dr. Fauci thinks China's doing a great job. Uh, they were the model country for dealing with containing the COVID epidemic, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, what were they doing? They, they you know, I was, I was amazed. I was just watching a recent report last night. That the city of Shanghai, which you mentioned was the largest city in China, I think they said it was 20, 25 million people. Imagine a city, I think they said it was three times the size of New York City, um, in complete lockdown. People not allowed to leave their homes. People literally starving to death because they didn't have food in their house. They couldn't even go out to get food. Um, people beaten when they were on the streets. I mean, just incredible violence. And they were showing pictures of these somewhere out west, uh, in western China. A massive resettlement area uh, of just these white cubes to hold people who evidently either are not going along or who they're trying to quarantine or whatever but it was it was eerie to see this massive city of these white cubicles used to detain people quarantine people I mean by the thousands tens of thousands and I think the Chinese people I mean obviously they're to to uh, I wasn't really looking for to riot, to go against a government that is seen as so powerful and so in control and so many eyes and so many cameras and so much at stake. And yet to see people fighting back and just saying, we've had enough. In other words, we would rather die, you know, than go on living the way that we're living. And yet, you know, it was interesting that, uh the Biden administration was asked to comment on that. Mm-hmm. And they completely deflected it. And they said, you know, uh, we cannot speak for the individual uh, Chinese people. Uh, And here they're crying out, we want freedom, we want freedom. And the beacon of freedom, supposedly, the the United States cannot even come alongside of these good people um, and say what they're doing is good and that we support you. I mean, it was ultimate moral cowardice from our administration, but what's more important is what you talked about the government realizes there's two things they can't stop. They can't stop freedom in the hearts of people, which is really a moral and religious cause, and they cannot stop small units of people getting together with the same values and then those people building a movement that literally becomes unstoppable.
0: Yeah, you you and I were just talking about, like, in ancient times, you have these totalitarian regimes for centuries, uh, millenniums probably even, because there's no other model. That's yeah. just all they know. We have an emperor. We have a god king. We have the pharaoh. We're yeah. gonna yep. we're gonna we're gonna become their gods. So we're gonna just serve them their generation after generation. Well, in modern times, totalitarian regimes are very very difficult to maintain for a long period of time because people have seen liberty. There are models of freedom out there. There is social media, you know. Yep. There is a
1: there is a a um and not to mention the gospel has come to China and. The the largest church in the world is the underground church in China. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you talk about uh, what is the source of liberty and freedom? It's the gospel. It was when it was when uh, the Jews came on the scene, and God said, "Let my people go," yeah. and He re- He pulled them out of the most powerful totalitarian regime on the planet, and gave them a vision for ordered liberty under God. I mean, that was the foundation of freedom on planet Earth. And yeah. from then, that that and that seed of freedom has, of course, spread through Christ himself and the gospel. And and the Chinese church is thriving and and, and alive and well, even in a, a harsh uh, place to live.
0: Yeah. And, and reading this book, Lit Not by Lies, which really gives a, ca- a lot of case studies of these East, Eastern European nations under the former uh, USSR... And how in one generation, it was a tough generation, it was brutal, yeah. but they lived through what, this generation, and now they're on the other side of it, which they are now living in freedom. And the, you have um, mom and dads who had to raise their kids through it, and now they're in their 70s and 80s, and look, they can look back and say, we we are victors through this totalitarian regime. And so that gives me hope, because it's like, you know, we're going through darkness, and, and we're going yeah. through... The human cycle of saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to do this on our own. We're going to create utopia on our own." And that's just human nature. We've seen that happen in history. But at one point, we we'll have to—we'll go. Through, we might have to go through some darkness, yeah. you know. But there will always going to be light in the tunnel because look at history. You know, yeah. these totalitarian regimes of controlling people's censorship, uh, of of uniform, uh, enforce uniformity. You have to believe there's one thing. There's no diversity of thoughts. Right, the
1: diversity of, of narratives eventually cannot last. Yeah. So, and you know, there's something about a Christian worldview that gives us the uh, uh, the ingredients uh, for survival. For instance, you know, they were saying that that if you did not know what you believed, um, you know, when 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 you were given the threat of torture, punishment, you know, if you would cave. But if you're sitting in your prison cell and you know the gospel is true and you know uh, the, the end of the story and you know this will not last forever, then there's a sense of joy that you have because, you know what, I am not going to sell out my conviction for a short-term um, gain. Um, and I think that's where a lot of these folks are. And, you know, even when we talked about some of the uh, not being afraid to be weird in society's eye. Well, why? Because your standards are different. You're, you're not going by culture standards. You're going by the word of God. Um, Another principle he brought out, uh, prepare to make sacrifices for the greater good. In other words, only only Christians or only somebody who believes in a vision of greater good and not a selfish vision, a short-term vision, can can sacrifice that for the greater good. So in other words you're going to say no, I'm I'm going to I'm going to honor my commitment to Christ and to the vision that communism is going to come down or that this, you know, godlessness in America is going to come down. I'm not going to compromise because I believe in a greater good. So I'm going to endure some momentary setbacks or suffering for the sake of what I know is going to be true in the end. So Christianity gives us a greater good. We understand why why sacrifices matter, why suffering is not meaningless, but it's meaningful when it's done for the glory of God. Um, And then I love what he said, too, about the whole idea that uh, we need to understand we're part of a larger movement. What do we mean by that? Well, in other words, when you're under fire, your denominational distinctions don't matter as much. I'm not saying that the gospel should be compromised, but I've been preaching this at Living Stones for some time now. We have a very diverse congregation, made up of a lot of different uh, Christian faiths. Now they're all Christian faiths; they're Orthodox. They're not they're not cults, mm-hmm. um, but they believe differently on a variety of issues. But those aren't essential issues. They're they're non essential issues. So. When you're under fire, and we are in America, we have a lot of enemies outside of the church. We don't need—I don't need to make an enemy of you, because mm-hmm. we might have happen to disagree on a certain doctrinal distinctive. Um, uh, I need to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing, and that we're working toward the common good and toward the greater good of the gospel that Jesus is exalted, and our our nation is is restored. That you know, in communist countries, you don't have the luxury to say, "Oh, you're a Baptist and I'm a Lutheran; uh, we can't get along." Right. Um, no, th- those people have more in common with right. you than anybody, and so you find ways to work together for the common good.
0: And that, and that's, I think, what's missing right now in in our movement is like, is is we still have the luxury of focusing on our differences in many ways. Yeah, that's why there's such division. Whereas the radical left is. Completely unify. They somehow get get their act together and work together. There's no division. Whereas for us, we still vote for. You're like, why would you vote for that bill? That's totally, you know. Well, you know what? We're just trying to, you know, where the left is. Like, there's no compromise on that end. You know, we gotta get to a place in which. I mean, for them, it's like, do you believe in free speech? Yes, I do. Okay, we're going to be buddies yeah. because I'm not even asking about, like, your view of eschatology. <laughs> I just want to know,
1: like, do you value censorship or do you value free speech? And, I, I remember when this religious liberty was under attack and I was rallying pastors from around the state. Will you guys come and stand for religious liberty? And um, and one brother in particular was asking, well, what what's going to be in the program? And I said, well, we're you know, we're, we're going to worship you know well what kind of worship song Well, we're going to sing you know kind of a contemporary christian chorus yeah. well i don't know if i can be a part of that and i'm like are you kidding me you know we're, we're going to let the style of our music i you know i shared with him i said we're looking at having our religious liberty stripped from us and and, and you're going to dis fellowship with us based on uh, a musical style we're not going to sing a hymn we're going to sing a contemporary song. That still exalts Jesus, you know. It's like what? No wonder we're in the mess that we're in when we have such petty little things that disqualify us from working together. But that's not the luxury when you're under communism. Communism wow. has a great way of bringing the church together. And that's yeah. why, like right now, the, the church in these countries is thriving. They're zealous. They're passionate. Uh, they're deeply committed. Yeah. And that's what that's what a little fire and a little persecution will do for the church. And so maybe, maybe that's what God's doing in America. Maybe he's allowing the heat to be turned up.
0: And as much as I, you know, in my flesh, I'm like, I don't want that to happen. But sometimes that sounds like that's God's way. We still have a lot of luxuries left. We still are like, well, you know what, we can. So again, I, 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 I'm I, done trying to figure out what's in the mind of the Lord. Yeah. You know,
1: I just want to go, I'm going to ride the, right the wave. And I've, I've shared yeah. before, why why do we need to rely on some outside heat to be zealous for God? Why can't we enjoy the freedom and liberty that we, we've been blessed with and use that freedom and liberty in in other words in the land of prosperity why could we not still be zealous for Jesus and still be passionate about the
0: things just look at the books of judges and kings yeah
1: no I get it but man God help us God help us I just want to end with this quote kind of on the the family as resistance cells he says uh, it's no accident that every dictatorship always tries to break down the family because it's in the family that you get the strength to be able to fight And I thought, man, that is so true. Just what you mentioned about what's going on right now with the um, um, the communist Chinese, uh, that they can't control their own people. Uh, well, where are they getting their strength? I guarantee you they're getting their strength in small groups that are gathering and, and talking about what matters and uh, and getting moral courage. Learn, yeah. Getting courage from watching each other stand up for what's right. I mean,
0: traditionally in, in Chinese culture, family is a, I mean, it's one reason why Chinese culture has, Stays relatively consistent over thousands of years. It's because the family unit has always been such a huge source of strength. Yeah. Like, like honoring your parents, like taking care of your kids. I mean, really? those are all foundational blocks of Chinese culture. It's hard to erase that. It's, yeah. it's going to be hard to erase that.
1: You know. Well, and again, I think it's because that's why you're going against the way God made things. Yeah. And and it's kind of like trying to jump off a building and hope that you fly, you yeah. know. Uh, it's not the way God wired things. And I think yeah. anytime these these massive government top-down things, like even now, I mean, we're trying to see uh, uh, parental rights dissolved in public schools, you know. This is not going to work well for bureaucrats and for, for a big government people. You start going against people's kids in America, and you're going to lose, uh, and it will not end well. And we saw that in so many elections across America uh, because it's deeply ingrained in us. But mm-hmm. that's the very thing these groups want to go against, to put that wedge against between you and your and your uh, children yeah. and their values. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, very quickly here, the time we have left, about the other biggie that keeps these regimes from winning, and that's that they want to go after religion um, and— One of the things that the author talked about was how Christians and people in general need a golden dream is what he called it, something to live for, some conception of hope. He said, you can't simply be against everything bad. You have to be for something good. And man, I thought that was so good. Sometimes I think as Christians, we're the group that's always against everything. We're known for what we're against. And that's not going to be sufficient to give our kids a vision of hope. They have to know what we're for. This
0: to me, is, this is a passion topic for me. Because, come on, come on! Because, I just fed you some. Because I get a little ticked off about this because we're, we become the angry crowd, right? And and are there things that we should? I mean, I can be as angry as anybody. And I need to work on that. <laughs> but, but so <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers here. Man knows. Um, our, producers yeah, our producer, producer, shouted, "Amen!" But but here's the thing is. <laughs> A negative emotion is can, is only temporary. A positive emotion is long lasting. And here, and to me, this is one of the biggest generational divide between like older Christians and younger believers, because the older Christians are kind of looking over the sunset, right? The younger believers are like, I still got a family to raise, I still got young kids, or I want to get married and have kids. Right. Like You don't give me a compelling vision, a compelling hope, or a strategy, a path to go through. I'm not saying there's not hardships. I'm not saying there's no cost to be paid. But, you, but all you hear is doom and gloom. I am checking out. I, I, I have no choice but to check out just to get away from the negativity. There needs to be a, a strategy, there needs to be hope, there needs to be a compelling reason for me to, to get engaged. If you're just saying it's gonna get darker and right. darker, the world's gonna go, the Antichrist's gonna t- take over, we might as well right. sit at the beach and wait for the tribulation to come. Like, right. if you do that, all of young believers are gonna get checked out. It's just not gonna work. If you don't yeah. give
1: the younger generation a vision for now, for life, you know, like, yeah. like we try to talk about, like it matters how many taxes you pay, it matters. What kind of opportunities? What kind of freedom you have? It matters. What kind of a culture we have around us? That is it safe and healthy for raising kids? Well, or that's why toxic?
0: this this current sermon series we're, we're at bringing Jesus to well is a compelling vision to say to a young believer to say, guess what? I know there's a bunch of things you can't change. You can't change all the stuff in Washington D.C. and whatever. I mean, we can st- we still should vote. And we need to petition our representative, but but we don't have a lot of direct control over what's in D.C. Right, right. right. However. First of all, you can engage in local government, which you do have control. You get to know your school board member. You get to know your town council member. But in your everyday work, in your everyday family, how do you bring the kingdom of God into all these specific aspects? And that's how you have a compelling reason on a day-to-day basis to make a difference. That is hope for the young people who...
1: Who, who wants to make a difference? It's, you know? it's the golden dream, as they talk about it, and it's the reason to live. And, and he said, too, one of the things that we have as Christians is we have something called a creed. We, we have a written a description of the values and beliefs that are non-negotiable that we believe define objective reality. Yeah. It's not just about feelings. It's like, no, this is the truth and we're not ever going to let go of this truth. And of course, you know, historic Christianity is marked by all kinds of very important (laughs) creeds that define what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that gives people um, ground to stand on. Uh, It's not just about how do I feel today, or what's the media say, or the latest Hollywood movie talking about. No, we have, we have, a creed. We, we, we have very clear objective truths that we believe in, and it creates the golden dream for us. It's what makes the golden dream, and it gives, it gives us a reason not only to live today, but to die today. In other words, I know there are certain things that are non-negotiable for me, and I would die on those, those hills. Many people don't have that kind of understanding. But
0: I would even say like the, the hope that we have in the middle of darkness is Jesus actually says, against my church. Like, uh, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot come against it. Yeah. Like, i giving you keys to my kingdom. I mean, that's a commissioning from God yeah. to the utmost degree that every believer follow Jesus Christ. He does say you got to take up your cross. There's a cost to it. But if you take up the cross, you can actually, it doesn't matter how dark, I mean, can it get darker than the gates of hell? Can't get much darker no. than that, right? No. I mean, I don't care how socialistic, communist, totalitarian regime is not worse than the gates of hell, right? Yep. And Jesus promises like we can withstand and not only withstand, we can prevail against it. Where is the church in that? How do we as yep. its church compel our young people to say that's a life you can live and, and that's compelling hope. That's yep. a supernatural hope. And this is
1: why uh, totalitarian regimes go after the church and go after faith because yep. they don't want a competing ideology they want people to be willing to die for the state, uh, and yet we're saying no. There are values that are greater than the state. In fact, how about this? There are values. There, there is a life that is greater than life itself, there, there, there are things that are more important than you killing me, um, and I'm willing to die for what I believe. Yeah. You cannot fight a person who has values like that. Uh, that you, you'll never, you'll never ultimately win. You can take their life, but you cannot take their dream, and you cannot take their creed and you cannot take their allegiance and that's exactly what makes big government upset uh just go along why is that so important to you why are you guys so hung up on the bible why do you believe that book i mean the list goes on and on and and uh you know they talked about i thought this was so good they talked about the importance of spiritual exercises um when you're you know when dad or when the Communist police come in, take dad out, and throw him in jail, and you don't know how long he's going to be there. Your biggest enemy is time. Mm -hmm. And so you're just sitting there, and you're wondering what's going to happen next. And so you have to take control of your mind. You have to make sure, as they said, that you're not uh, wallowing in self-pity, but that you're taking control. And I love what they said. They said, in our minds, we determine that the greatest thing that could possibly happen was to suffer on behalf of Jesus Christ and on the gospel. That every time, if they want to bring suffering Mm -hmm. into the picture, then we already have a mindset that says, I'm going to embrace this willingly uh, for the gospel and believing that God is contributing to to my salvation. Mm -hmm. That's a perspective that is huge. No self-pity, no poor me, why is this happening to me? Uh, But again... um, a, a, a belief that God, that there's a purpose behind what's going on. Um, and they talked about, uh, I guess, the, these exercises, like structuring your time, right? Um, memorizing scripture, um, having a certain structure every day that you are internally imposing on the circumstances around you. In other words, I'm going to pray on Monday, I'm praying for X, Y, and Z, uh, I'm going to meditate on God's word right after that. I'm going to pray for my family right after that. In other words, you're not waiting for the, you know, jail to open up and to see what terrible things they're going to do to you next. You're being very proactive in the use of your time. In fact, I found it very interesting. Whenever they would try to going away from the structure, it, it produced uh, negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, if you're if you're just sitting in a you know blank jail cell with nothing to do n- nothing to entertain you how do you keep from going crazy just from being alone well you have spiritual exercises that help you structure your reality and that's what gets you through the day And they're talking about how the word of god would come alive certain passages they had committed would explode you know in their minds and hearts and um uh, how much time they would spend in deep repentance of just God, forgive me for this or cleanse my heart. They would use that as a time just for spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what I just think of our own spiritual disciplines today, whether it's getting up and spending some time with the Lord every day, uh, w- making sure Sunday's our day, you know, for corporate worship. Um, Tuesday's our day for life groups, you know. Uh, whatever it is that you structure your life around, that you're building these spiritual exercises. Yeah, these spiritual
0: exercises, it's, it's, uh, I call them their working muscle. They're not show muscles, you know, because, yeah. you know, you got people who work out so they can look good on Instagram. And you got people work out because they <laughs> got to carry their heavy artillery because yes. the enemy's shooting at them and they need to run faster than, than the guy's shooting at them. There's it's, it's two different it's two different perceptions. You're both working out, but one there is a degree of urgency and practicality, and then there's other things like I'm just doing it because i told I'm supposed to do it. Yeah, I and you're in an environment right now in which like you're not training because you want to look good on a, on the beach. You're training because you have to survive. Yeah, and I think that's that is the missing element for many Christians because we don't have a vision. We don't have a compelling. Uh, passion we're pursuing or, or a battle we're fighting. So we struggle with spiritual excellence. Like, what's well, the point of getting up more early and preparing my Bible? I, I'm not, there's no urgency, yeah. right? Well, yeah. they don't have. really have a choice there.
1: Yeah, they don't have a choice. I like the phrase he used too. They call it the solidarity of the shattered. You know, when you're uh, literally being imprisoned to break you down and to shatter you and to destroy you physically and to destroy you spiritually and to yeah. just, just rob everything of, of value. Um, again, as they point out, you don't have the luxury of uh, confessional differences. Um, you are all in this together. And um, I think, that, again, that's one of the blessings of of suffering is it, it does produce good fruit, righteous fruit. It purifies us. It, it helps us see what's really true and real. It helps us get rid of the flab. You know, are we just working out for good looks or are we working out for uh, for survival and for strength, and for what's necessary, you know, uh, to use the workout uh, illustration. But um, uh, maybe sometimes in the West, we, we become flabby and weak because we've not really had to face some of the heat. I've heard it said before that when there's Republican presidents or pro-life presidents, uh, the pro-life uh, ministry se- seems to languish. When you have somebody in the office who's Who's pro-abortion, for instance, and going against what you know to be true? It energizes people because now they have a cause to live for. They get they get lazy when everything's going their way. So, um, like you said, I don't. We can't see the future, but I think we need to embrace the times that we're in and use it as a chance to really do some self-examination and. Figure out what is it that we're, we're living for. If yep. it's not our persecution, I'm, the world is full of people under persecution. That's why I think missions has to be a big part of what we're doing. People need to see. They need to go to the oppressed. They need to go to the poor. They need to go to the prisons uh, and visit prisoners. They need to. They need to be exposed to the greater needs of our of the larger Christian community. There's persecution happening all around the world. You don't need to wait for it to happen in your own backyard before you care. Mm -hmm. You know, we can care now. These are our brothers and sisters who are in need now. Uh, And so, again, um, important, important stuff as it relates to our faith and how to just get through difficult times. I guess I go back again to framing out, you know, as we wrap this up, but framing out the importance of what's happening before. It's like when we're talking about religious liberty, What we have is so unique in our country, and I don't think most Americans get it because it hasn't been taught, you know, in our in our schools and our universities. Um, But what we have is unheard of. Um, As you pointed out, there, there was no conception of liberty, freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to worship God according to the dictates of your conscience. There's no place on planet Earth I mean, these are foreign ideas To uh, the people in Communist China right now that, that, What is that you're talking about? None of that's recognized Or you go to Islamic nations This, this is not recognized uh, And unfortunately, in, in our more and more secularized West These things are being trampled But these are the bedrocks of genuine liberty For everybody, not just for, for Christians But for everybody The rights of conscience, right? Uh, and so when I see bills like this that are passed that don't really care, they care more about people's uh, sexual desires uh, than they care about fundamental liberties, it's a total sellout. You know, it, it, it talk about selling out your soul. You're talking from, about
0: the respect for yeah, marriage. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: It, it, is a, it is a sellout of fundamental liberties for sexual pleasure and sexual desires of of you know and this was one of the arguments against that whole Obergefell decision anyway was why should the sexual desires of consenting adults take precedence over an institution that was created for far greater purposes than just my sexual pleasure um, it was created to create children it was created to create a home it was created because the home is a foundation of healthy communities and nations I mean it's not just about well I want to, I think you should recognize my love affair with this other man and and make that call that marriage and you know who cares about your love affair with some other guy that's is your issue that that is, that is not an issue that it warrants to redefining marriage or trampling religious liberties and yet we we become so um, carnal and so sexually perverse that we will sell our our birthright literally for a bowl of of cheap porridge that you eat in five minutes and it's gone. Uh, that's what this whole sexual license and sexual promiscuity agenda that we're pushing is like cotton candy. It, it's it's gone, uh, and the, the the side effects of this are are going to be absolutely tragic. So um, that's why religious liberty matters. You know, I we're sitting here talking about uh, what happened in you know former communist countries, the Soviet Gulag. And hearing the pain and the suffering, and and like people are like, oh, we're not dealing with that in America. Why are you guys whining? You know, all you Christians whining about this and that. No, we're not dealing with it now, but it it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that it didn't start that way in in Russia, and it didn't start that way in Germany under Hitler, and it didn't start that way in some of these Islamic countries. So the point is, you know, we're on that slippery slope to where... Sexual perversion trump's religious liberty and trump's biblical marriage and uh and that never ends well I don't know how how long the slide's going to happen before we wake up and pull ourselves out of this by the grace of God um but all I know is I don't want my children sitting in a jail cell someday simply because they don't believe that gay marriage is marriage um and uh and that's the challenge you know by the way that's the challenge it's a, it's a tiny little thing now. But it is a rub. I, I know people right now that if they stood up at work and they said marriage is between a man and a woman, everything else is counterfeit. That's a biblically accurate statement it is absolutely true. But if they said it, there would be consequences. And so and so here's the issue. So do we actually say what's true and bear small consequences, maybe losing a job promotion or losing a job itself at that place of employment or whatever? Or do we cave and go along to get along and then find out that maybe not your kids, but certainly your kids' kids are going to be living in a totally different world where their liberties, the liberties that we enjoyed are going to be absolutely gone. Mm -hmm. What's the price to pay? And and, And what's the takeaway? Like, I hope, even though it might make my kids uncomfortable at times because of the public stands I've had to take, like you know, they know where I stand, and sometimes their you know culture doesn't agree or whatever. Um, But I hope this. I know when I die, I'll go to my grave with my eight children knowing that my dad stood for what was true and right, and he was courageous, and he was not a coward, Um, and uh, and he he was clear about his convictions. I think that will have a greater impact on my children's faith than me trying to be Mr. Nice, woke pastor who doesn't want to upset anybody and who compromises the clear teaching of Scripture so that we can just you know go along, get along, everybody's going to be happy and we'll just be nice people. Um, I, I'll bet the house on the fact that my kids and grandkids will be much firmer in their faith in Jesus than the folks that are just trying to roll over and go along. In fact, I wonder if your kids will even have faith or your grandkids will even have faith with that kind of a, a lukewarm, compromising uh, model. So may, may that not be true of any of us. And I really do want to challenge all of us to live consistently, live boldly, live live with courage uh, in the season that we're living in. Because if there's two things that are under attack in America right now, it is Christian faith and it's a traditional family. Mm, right. um, Quite a charge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Any final volley on that? I got nothing. I got well, nothing. Again, I got nothing. <laughs> you got a lot. Don't hold back on it. And, and, and Matt and I just took a vote, and we both agreed you are normal. All right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. You are normal. But there is a lot of work. We both agree as well that God's <laughs> trying to do in you, and we'll committed to this podcast to help <laughs> sharpen you into the beginning. All right. Hey, in spite of all that's going on, we're happy warriors. We hope you are too. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.